0: Welcome to the Reminger Report podcast on emerging technologies. Reminger Co. LPA is a full-service law firm with over 150 lawyers spread across 14 offices and serving states throughout the Midwest. My name is Zach Pyers, and I'm a partner in Reminger's Columbus, Ohio office. And I'm Kenton Steele, an associate in Reminger's Columbus office. This podcast on emerging technologies will examine how changes in technology and business models affect our daily lives, and how the law is adapting to respond to these changes. This is the second part of our series with Melanie Irvin from Branch Insurance. Today, we're going to revisit some of the topics we discussed earlier about what Branch Insurance is doing in innovation in the insurance field. We'll also be talking about its charitable giving through Safety Nest, as well as its B-Lab certification. I want to switch gears just a little bit. Obviously, still talking about Branch, but one of the things that you said earlier uh, was that Branch isn't necessarily seeking to totally disrupt the insurance market or the insurance scheme, but is yet, but is making it better and is seeking to improve it and essentially take it back to uh, what it was at the beginning, which is helping each other and, and getting people's backs. Now, if you could, obviously, you know, you also told us that Branch is using a lot of, of technology to make that process more efficient, more cost effective, to to then pass those savings on to the customers. If you could if you could contrast a little bit, you know, one of the things that we've seen in the insurance industry over the last, you know, ten years is a rise of insure techs or or insurance companies that are seeking to utilize technology to truly disrupt the insurance marketplace. If you could kind of contrast what Branch is doing, and I'm not necessarily looking for you to compare you know, one company to another, but just kind of in a larger sense of the rest of the insurance tech companies, kind of how do you see those contrasts play out?
1: Yeah, so one of the main differences between us and other insure techs, or I should say one of the most obvious differences, is that we're the only one that uh, allows a, someone to buy a truly bundled home and auto product. Uh, so that offers convenience and Uh, pricing benefits to our customer. Um, We're also different in that we don't currently use things like artificial intelligence to sell policies or handle claims. Uh, We're super proud of the technology that we have built, and it allows some people to have a truly online process if they want it. Um, But we also understand that a lot of people are looking for a more personal touch, um, and so we do offer that. Um, we also don't require that you participate in a telematics program. Uh, we don't offer a purely usage based um, or rated product. Um, so that means that we don't require that we track or record your drives. Um, instead, we still rate partly based on your driving history, just like other traditional carriers would um, in a more traditional way. Um, however, in states, uh, many states, including Ohio, we do offer an optional community drive discount where if you opt in and turn it on in the app, we do track and record drives and assign points and offer feedback on driving opportunities such as hard braking and my favorite, speeding. <laughs> um, but you And you do get a discount at renewal if you were able to – achieve and maintain a good score um, during the the course of your term. Um, But if you don't, um, we don't increase your rates or anything. It's simply a tool to help you lower your rate um, and encourage safer driving habits. Um, So those are just a a couple of the ways that we are different.
0: Now, in your work with the regulators, um, which I know, you know, you've already alluded to, have you encountered or have you seen any difficulties in trying to explain how branch? is different from some of the other – I don't want to say traditional insure techs because, you know, by definition, that's almost an oxymoron, but some of the other insure techs that exist out there.
1: Yeah. So that's a really great question, Zach, because we're not the first. Um, we're not going to say that we are the first insure tech. Um Some regulators, we have found, are skeptical of newer entrants in newer technology. Um, And in many ways, I can't blame them. I mean, it's an immense responsibility to protect consumers and make sure that insurance companies are going to be financially stable and able to pay claims, even if there is a catastrophe or two. Um, That's the whole point. But growing companies have the added challenge of trying to grow quickly so you can prove your worth to investors and get the money that you need so that you can continue to grow and some regulators think that companies are growing and expanding too quickly Um, and I've heard this from regulators Um, and the results are not always the best uh, because some companies may be sacrificing underwriting results in favor of faster growth and that scares regulators um, but since we underwrite and rate more like a traditional insurer and we have built a team of very experienced um, insurance professionals, we say we have like more than 100 years of experience <laughs> among us, um, we're proud to say that we are focused primarily on building a financially stable and strong company and we have expanded in a more slow and measured way, um, but yeah, no, it's super challenging to try to convince regulators that not only are you not like the legacy carriers, but you are also not like the other insure techs either. Yeah,
0: I can. Ima- I mean, you know, one of the things that it seems to be an ongoing theme in this podcast is that no matter what the technology is, the regulators are always playing catch up. Um, And it's not a knock on the regulators by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that oftentimes what we see is the regulators and the legislatures, um, whether it's city council or state legislature, they oftentimes are reacting rather than being proactive because sometimes they they can't predict the technology that's coming um, or or how quickly it's going to come. And sometimes it catches them off guard. Sometimes – and I'm they should have seen it coming, but more often than not, I think sometimes they're playing catch up just because the technology is advancing so quickly. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that you're seeing the same thing in the insurance space as well with the insurance regulators. And 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 you're right, it is a huge um, it is a huge responsibility. When you're dealing with the solvency of an insurance company, I mean, we've seen historically some insurance companies who have not remained solvent, and it's a huge burden not only on the states that you know underwrite them, but I mean on the on the individual insureds who put their faith and trust in those insurance carriers. So yeah, I, I totally I totally get that. Now, one of the other things um, that I that I know that Branch is doing um, or has worked with is a and they have a, and I don't, I'm, I don't know that I'm going to get the term right, whether it's a charitable arm or how it functions, but Safety Nest. Um, tell us a little bit about Safety Nest and, and, and that entity.
1: Yeah, so Safety Nest is its own 501c3 nonprofit entity. Um, it was designed and funded exclusively by branch. And the purpose of Safety Nest is to provide financial assistance to people who are un or underinsured and have suffered um, a financial loss uh, resulting from having no or too little coverage. Um, As an example, last year, we gave a grant to somebody who um, had liability only coverage on her car and ended up underwater on her Uh, loan. Um, And so she was able to pay off the loan um, with her insurance proceeds um, or actually I think she had – like she just didn't have gap coverage I think was the situation. Um, And so she wasn't able to actually get a new car or anything like that. And then because of that, she was at risk of losing her job. So she was super close of kind of falling down that um, spiral and we were able to help her out. Um, and during COVID, we actually had a program where people who had suffered financial hardship specifically due to COVID could apply. And we would pay, help them pay their auto insurance premiums um, to a variety of carriers to just simply bridge that gap and help them stay insured. So essentially, they would not become one of the uh, 28 million Americans who are driving around without insurance.
0: You know the the first example that, um, that you just were talking about about the woman without the gap in coverage, gap coverage, and not being able to afford a new car, and then losing her job. It's actually a topic that we had covered in a previous podcast with one of our prior guests, Ryan McManus, who's the CEO and founder of Share Mobility, about the the, the relationship between reliable um, transportation and employment, and about how it's so necessary to have that. And once you lose the reliable transportation or if you don't have it to begin with, how difficult it is to gain employment and it becomes kind of a vicious cycle because um, if you don't have reliable transportation, you can't have reliable employment and you're just stuck in this kind of downward spiral. So it's interesting the scenario you described because as I'm thinking back to the conversation that we had um, on a prior episode of the podcast. It's, it's interesting and wonderful kind of to see Branch through SafetyNet kind of taking those steps to kind of help to prevent that um, kind of – not just for that individual but really larger as a societal benefit. Now, I, I, I know SafetyNet is also working with Ohio State on some on, – on researching insurance and kind of tell us about what that research is and, and kind of why they're doing the research and, and what it's showing or seeing.
1: Yeah, so this is super exciting news um, that we went public with just recently. Uh, Safety Nest has partnered with the Risk Institute at the Ohio State University Fisher College of Business uh, to help research the problem of uninsurance in the United States. It
0: has has there been, is, um, you said it was just a recent announcement. Have they, have they, I mean, I'm assuming they haven't fully undertaken their research yet. So um, we haven't, yet seen any results?
1: Uh, So we do have some preliminary results. um, And I'll just back up to say that the reason why we decided to pursue this research is because we quickly realized that this problem was probably larger than something that we could just keep throwing a few Band-Aids on. Uh, we were really trying to find out like the root causes of why people don't have insurance. And the preliminary results actually I found to be quite shocking because I had just assumed it was I can't afford insurance or I lost my job. Sure and now I don't have insurance. But a large proportion of the uninsured people that have been surveyed already stated that they didn't have insurance because they did not know how to get insurance. So I suspect that we're going to learn that there's just a huge education gap in knowing uh, what kind of insurance you need, um, where to get it, how to get it. Um, and education is likely going to be part of you know the safety nest program in the future based on these results.
0: You know, I, I mean, I won't. That's a little surprising to me. But I mean, I it's a little surprising to me that people might not know about insurance or the need for insurance. I, I understand, but but then when I, I mean, I think when you think about it, or at least when I think about it and reflect on it, I'm not sure that you know. It's something that's necessarily taught in the public school system. It's not something that may not – like a lot of other personal financial issues, it may not you know, be necessarily discussed um, around the dinner table at night by a lot of people. And so I'm not sure – I think that I have an unfair advantage probably like you do working in the insurance – I mean industry in some capacity – you see the need for it almost on a daily basis. I mean, I I always joke with people that I'm so paranoid I've got insurance on everything. Um, my I've got my kid's scooter insured just because you you never know um, where those risks lie. But but I think it's interesting that maybe I take that knowledge for granted that other people you know may not necessarily have.
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, I grew up in a household where when I wanted to drive, you know, I had to pay for the car and I also had to pay for the insurance. So I became acutely aware um, <laughs> of the existence of insurance and how my driving habits affected, you know, the price of an, of that insurance. Um, and, yeah, I've always taken for granted the fact that a lot of people don't have that.
0: Yeah. Uh, was there anything that drove the decision by Safety Nest to kind of engage in this research?
1: Yeah. So it was just um, Charlie's project. I can't take the credit. Um, My colleague whom I mentioned, he's also the president of Safety Nest. So he sort of spearheads all of the Safety Nest efforts. Um, And just like with anything in our business, we're always looking for data to figure out really what is going on. We don't make a lot of decisions without data. And so after rolling out a few pilot programs with Safety Nest, we decided that we really just needed more data to help us build out the best programs possible.
0: Now, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, too, is my understanding is Branch is also uh, is also a Delaware Public Benefits Corporation and is pursuing B-Lab certification. Can you kind of just tell us what that means and what the process looks like?
1: Yeah, so we are currently in the assessment process to become a certified B-Corp, and that's offered through a nonprofit called B-Labs. Um, it's a pretty intense assessment, part of it requires that you actually go through the legal process, if it is available in your state of domicile, uh, to become a public benefit corporation. So the corporation under which we operate is a Delaware corporation. Um, So we just recently had our shareholders approve the move to amend our articles and become a public benefit corporation. Um, It was a pretty straightforward process, just required that we amend our articles to add a stated public benefit, and ours is simply to make insurance more accessible to more people.
0: Now, for those who may not be familiar with what a public benefits corporation is, how does that different from like a traditional corporation?
1: So the main difference is that there's an added um, stakeholder in the mix. So our board has to act in the best interests of not only the corporation, but has to balance those with um, stakeholders, shareholders, and that public benefit. Um, And we're actually held accountable to that by the shareholders. Uh, Shareholders can bring a derivative action if they don't think that you are living into your public benefit purpose.
0: That's interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I mean, I think that we've at throughout history have heard about complaints about corporations, you know, whether it's dating back to the cases that I read from a hundred plus years ago in law school, uh, where corporations were being sued, whether it was, whether they really should be benefiting society or whether they should be benefiting the shareholders. One of the things that I know that we read about is that, you know, is that this conflict that, you really only can serve, you know, one, and, and most often than not, the person that the corporations were supposed to be serving was i themselves i or i.e. their shareholders. So it's interesting that that branch is kind of adding in this other stakeholder now to say we're also responsible to them as well. Can you tell me kind of what drove the decision to pursue that that public benefits uh, corporation designation and or the B Lab certification?
1: Yeah. So we always set out for branch to be good and to do good by our members and our community. Um, but after we learned about the B Corp process, um, we decided that it would be a great thing to do just to help us codify our mission and to hold ourselves accountable.
0: It, and does this and, – and, and we may have already talked about this. Or Are there any specific benefits to branch by undertaking this additional obligation?
1: Sure. So we think there will be several benefits um, from undergoing this formal process. Um, One important thing is that it allows us to network and build relationships with other B Corps. Um, There are a lot of corporations that are taking this step, um, some of whom also may only be interested in working with other B Corps. And so in a way, it sort of expands our network for partnership opportunities um, and growth. Um, It will help us attract talent we think um that will buy right into our community focused mission um you know not well you know I'm a geriatric millennial apparently but you know younger millennials and um gen c <laughs> um you know they're always looking for something that differentiates one company from another and sure. we believe that this is something that people might find fulfilling to be a part of our mission that we've now codified um, and it does hold us accountable, as I mentioned, um, and it will motivate us to just continually improve the impact um, that we're making. It's not something that we could just list as a goal one year and then abandon. Um, it's very hard to to not be a PBC anymore under Delaware law. It requires, um, I think, you know – more than two thirds approval or something to actually undo the, the PBC, um, the B Corp certification. Once we do get certified, I believe we'll be recertified every year or every few years, um, and that's something that you know you can probably abandon, but it w- might be quite painful, you know. Sure. Once once you've already sort of bought into it um, and invested your time and resources into that, um, and have received some of the benefits, and so we believe that. You know, codifying our mission in this way and, um, you know, becoming a certified B Corp will hold us accountable, improve our impact, and also protect our mission into the future, like, you know, 100 years from now when I'm certainly not around. <laughs>
0: Well, that's wonderful. Melanie, I want to thank you for taking the time to come to speak with us today about branch insurance and all the wonderful things that you're doing for them and that that branch insurance is just doing in general. So thank you for taking the time to come speak with us.
1: Yeah, you're welcome, Zach. Thanks for having me.